So Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I'm here with who? Nixon from Framing Hanley. So we're sitting here in the west side of Nashville. Yeah, yeah. A An actual face-to-face interview during a pandemic. Yeah, I haven't had one of these in a long-ass time, man. <laughs> we're being safe, though. We're practicing all of our uh, protocol that we have, according to the state of Tennessee. My question for you is, how is the pandemic quarantine, how has that affected Framing Hanley? I mean, like everyone else... Um I guess a little bit more, though, that for in the, in the sense that we, you know, we released a, a damn album that we spent three years on, literally worked on this thing for th- over three years, put it out at the end of February, and then the world shuts down two weeks later. And, it, you know, it, it turned into one of those read the room situations where, like, I didn't want to be that guy on, on Facebook and, and Twitter, like, promoting our album, you know, every day when, when I knew realistically we had fans and and people that love our band that were losing their jobs losing their livelihood and and couldn't even afford to you know keep those streaming services or buy the album if they wanted to so it sucked man but um you know we you roll with the punches uh you know during all this we've kind of been doing like redux versions like new versions of a few of the songs in the album throwing around the idea of maybe i don't know might get in trouble from this from the label for this but possibly re-releasing the album with a few added songs later i think that's a fair you know thing to do because you know when you have something like that happen i mean you you can't anticipate that right and that's our thing is we don't listen man in 2007 i was a part of re-releasing our debut album because higher ups um at a a bigger cog in the machine after lollipop were like well we can put this song on it now and re-release it and you know the album obviously did well because the that song generated a lot of buzz for us right but also felt like we were being a little bit disingenuous to our fans by doing that the fans that have been there since the beginning because hear me now did a lot of good shit for us then when we you know lollipop happened so we're like well now we're going to release the album and just add this song but this is different i feel like you know it's like not only did we spend three years and a lot of money on an album and then it just kind of gets put out there and then the world shuts down but also it's like i want to approach it differently like and if we're going to at least if we're going to re-release the album at least like give them some new stuff like reimagining a few of the songs on this album which also makes it it make it makes the last six months really fun for us because it's like us having a chance to be like well these songs we thought they were done but what if we had done it this way so it's it's been fun artistically it's been very uh much welcome during during all this shit you know a lot of people are talking about you know bands and i mean obviously especially with you guys too because you know you go to release envy in february and then all of a sudden you're like okay well everybody lost interest in everything because they're preoccupied with all the stuff that's going on in the world it also gives you a chance to kind of look back and say okay well did we not do that as good as we could have and a lot of bands were in and not saying that that was the case right. but a lot of bands starting to look back at their product so to speak that they're putting out saying okay we've had this much downtime when things open up we need to come out swinging for the fence hardcore because we've had enough time to actually prep that's that i mean that's another side of it too is like thinking about re-releasing the album is like i know also we're going to be up against a lot of bands releasing new albums when this stuff doing the same thing. gets back to normalcy you know yeah. there's a lot of bands right now just waiting for for things to get back to some sense of normalcy so they can drop an album that they're sitting on there are a lot of great artists out there that are that have taken this downtown and be like you know what yeah i just released an album two months ago let's work on a new one for us <laughs> there were a lot of moving parts and um especially with this this album being the first album that we ever released with this lineup right it was a new version of this band like a new 
I, I feel in a lot of ways like it, it sounds like Freeman Anley, obviously, but it sounds it's like this you incarnation. Literally exactly. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to entirely do a new album right now. Also, like I've got some solo stuff that that I've been working on before this happened. Right. I don't know, man. It. it, it I, I never have not enjoyed the the process of creating. I mean, like that's always my over over performing live. I know that I'm in the minority there, but like over that, like I, I always just love creating. Um, so it's been. It's been awesome to have a ton of time to do that, but at the same time, it's like I want people to hear the shit that we created, you know, that we that we spent three years on. Exactly, exactly. Come on, let's go. You know, here's the thing too. Like when you end up having a hiccup like this happen, and and I call it a hiccup because most bands, unless you're of such a level of an artist where you don't have to worry about taking five years off or whatever you you're literally just sitting back and coasting because mm. you got millions in the bank okay most bands don't have millions in the bank and that's the thing when something like this happens you know you and i were you know trying to find a time so we could sit down and do this interview you got a job yeah you got a regular and i say regular job not like a being in a band's not a regular job but you have a job that's not necessarily music related so you can pay the bills so you can support family and be an upstanding citizen thank god for that right yeah no shit that that's definitely something that has helped alleviate some of this you know uh, madness that's been going on is all of us in in the band have careers outside of music and Thankfully, all of our careers are deemed essential. So, you know, we've been fortunate to, to continue, you know, working for our salaries outside right. of music. Because um, like you and I were saying before we started this podcast, man, like I can't imagine being the version of our band that we were, you know, shit, just five years ago where like this was my livelihood. And that's the reason ultimately why we all walked away five years ago and went on. Well, I was going to say broke up, but like went on what I guess is now a hiatus is because we it just got so disheartening and to the point where I didn't enjoy music anymore because it was yeah because it was it was it wasn't just a passion it was it was literally my job and the way that I was taking care of of my family and then you know sometimes when a tour didn't go your roll your way or a tour got canceled after you spent fucking fifteen thousand dollars to travel overseas and expenses and then it gets canceled after the third show because the other band on the tour and then you're like oh wow we just lost our lunch like what are we gonna do shit like that you know and um you know we we paid our dues man for long enough when my when my oldest son started school is when I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm not gonna grind out 200, 250 days out of the year because I don't have to. I'm definitely confident enough in my intelligence and like my capabilities beyond music to where I can go and do something that's you know outside of music. And that dude, that's honestly what made just gravitating back to to this like just medicinal in some ways to where like where I, I felt like. It was it was natural and for the right reasons this time around. Like when Ryan and I started working on what would become, you know, Framing Anley again, it, it was for the right reasons. We just wanted to to get in a room and start playing music again together. And um, you know, a lot of that is because I, I, I did separate myself from from music for for a few years and not depend on on that anymore as as a source of of income and and my livelihood. You know, certain people that aren't necessarily in that position, like what you have been, or in a multitude of other artists, they don't. Understand that you know 
you can't always rely on that. You have to have a backup plan, especially if you have a family. You have kids. It's frustrating in so many ways, man, because a lot of artists, ourselves included, we didn't have the mentorship when we started out as kids to know, right. like, really this is a business. the ins and outs <laughs> of, of what we should be doing, right. how we should be doing it. Dude, it's like I have this problem with, like, our school systems now in this country where, you know— Yes, we live in a country where you put the work in, you can change your life. I, I fully believe that. But at the same time, we live in a country where lower income families, those kids stay there because guess what? They didn't grow up knowing shit about credit and right. knowing stuff like that. And we don't teach that in schools. Now, so like to say the music industry. School, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, and and I'm not, it's apples to oranges. I'm not saying it's even damn near the same thing because in a lot of ways, like I, I'm embarrassed I was embarrassed like the, our entire career of like not knowing more about the things I should have known more about. But it's like, dude, there's not a there's not a fucking book that you can just read that tells you like. <laughs> there's well, not an instruction manual. This that is the way you should handle you this. Do. You really learn it from your mistakes, right. and sometimes those mistakes are contractually binding <laughs> for a period of years. And you're like, oh wow, I can't dig myself out of this hole for a little bit. So it's I, I'm glad that I'm not there now. I'm I'm in, I'm in a partnership with a label right. that uh, that is a true partnership. We want we want the same things um my vision is their vision i have the freedom and not to say that every everyone i've worked with in the past you know was a bad guy but it was just like i I was ignorant man i didn't know about it and i sometimes just like expected things to work themselves out and you know especially when you put the work in and you know that you're a hard worker and then like like i said man we were doing 250 plus days a year i was missing birthdays i was missing you know, I was missing some births. That's yeah. some Dewey Cox uh, yeah. from Walk Hard there for you. <laughs> I'm going to miss some births. No. Um, so it was like I, I felt like I was paying, you know, paying my dues. And then the pieces didn't always just fall into place. And that's because a lot of that was like shit I should have known more about that I right. didn't know more about. And now I'm older. I'm a lot older. I'm wiser. Um, you know, and again, a lot of that is just from mistakes I made. And it's just... It feels good to know that, like, my passion is what dictates my career or lack thereof or whatever now. It's like, I'm just going to do what I want to do, man, because I like music. I usually refer to it when you, you know, when you're put in a position where all of a sudden notoriety or interest publicly comes into it. Eventually, you're going to get your dick knocked in the dirt. Absolutely. So once that happens, people start to understand, okay, look, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't take things for granted. And you guys have done that. I mean, it's been 15 years. Yeah, dude. yeah man. I mean, that's kind of frightening, really, if you think about it. No, it, I was, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny how everything's relative to me. Like, I compare it all to when we started out as a band, when we f- signed our first record deal. Like, I was watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries just rebooted on Netflix and uh, and I was watching the first episode last night, and it was like 2006 is when this this case happened, and right. I was like, oh man, that was like right before we signed her. But I always <laughs> think about that, and then I'm like, oh man, that was that's forever. Do you remember like, <laughs> you remember when like a, a a 2003 car sounded like a brand new car, and like even now it's hard for me to realize like, man, that's 17 years old. But yeah, like it is frightening. 15 yeah. years ago, like I was cutting my teeth in this industry, and like you know we were we never played a show outside of our home state of Tennessee until we signed our record deal. Dude, you're and, in the Nashville area. I mean, yeah. talk about a you know oversaturated market yeah, to actually absolutely. come up in. 
Dude, you're, our, our, our waitress here at this restaurant we're at right now is probably a much better songwriter than I am, the odds. The odds are. I mean, you know, and for me living in Boston, too, when we think about local bands, we also think about Berkeley. It's like literally you have 5,000 of the greatest guitar players yep. in the world all vying for the same spot. So, yeah, you know, the competition's pretty pretty solid. Yeah. So if you can actually stand out, and you guys did it here, if you can get somebody's attention somehow, then it most likely means that you have a future. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've, I've never, like, never prided myself in, like, being a, uh, a good singer. And I know there some of our fans are listening to this right now. They'll roll their eyes about that. But, I, like, you know, a lot of my favorite singers hate their voices, too. Rob Thomas being one of them. I remember in an early interview uh, back in the day where he was talking about he can't stand his voice. Like, I can't, I don't like my voice. But I've, I've always prided myself in my songwriting. And, okay. and knowing that that's something that I'm good at. In a lot of ways, to my, to my own detriment, like, for a long time, I took, I spent so long, like, trying to figure out how I wanted to say something instead of what I wanted to say. Right. And that's even been something I feel like over the last few years that I focused more on. Um, but it's always been about songwriting for me, man. Like if, if you know, a lot of my favorite musicians and, and people in music in general are, are just great songwriters. Uh, you know, John Prine, God rest his soul, being one of those people. Jason Isbell now, you know, we're talking about all these country artists and I'm in a rock band, but like I think Jason Isbell is the most talented songwriter alive to this day, or alive right now, rather. And um, yeah, it's like, it's always working on that. How can I do this right. better? Um, whereas, you know, you got all these shows like The Voice and America's Got Talent, or I know they're churning out singers that could dance circles around me, but can you get in a room and can you write a song that's going to resonate with two different people or three different people or four different people in two different or three different or four different right. ways? Those different, and then it means something completely different to you when you wrote this song. There's so many songs about that, like Bubbles on our new album, the, the opening, technically the opening track, even though we got an intro on the album right before that, but like that's a song that I wrote originally. There was some animosity I had about someone in my life, but also uh, about a, a leader that we have in this country. <laughs> You're being super PC. And right then, now. dude, all of this COVID happens and the Black Black Lives Matter, which I completely stand behind, like all this shit happens. And I'm like, wow, this song like resonates on a completely if you look at that song and i'm not saying like i'm some like you know i i was some soothsayer or something like it's just it's sadly it's the the world we've lived in for a long time but like that's the thing about writing crafting a good song though is like you know can it still resonate two decades later can people still right. identify with that and it, it gave me chills when we were working on a new version of bubbles like i was talking about and just singing those lyrics again and it, it just struck me like how relevant to what we're experiencing now that song lyrically was and i was just it made me sad i mean it definitely like made me upset so you guys are practicing because as you and i are trying to get in a chance to actually hang out and do this interview you guys have been practicing but you guys also have two shows that are actually scheduled yeah in alaska alaska yeah i mean let's go to the wild north and avoid everything dude i'm i'm so stoked about that um my dad i uh, lived there four or five years and I, I went up there last i was there in 2004 I think it was 2004. Stayed there for like two months. It was cold as hell. Um, <laughs> From Tennessee, I can yeah. see. Yeah, because like, it was like February. But we're going up there. It'll be temperate. At yeah, that it's going to yeah. be like what I was explaining. He was like, it, it, it's going to be like 72 degrees. There's going to be a nice breeze every day. It's going to be the, he was like, it's the most perfect time to visit up there. Because like I was saying to you earlier, we're going deep sea fishing for a week. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be fun, man. It's like they've handled this 
a lot better than than places like our home state of Tennessee or you know Florida or Texas. We which is funny because the shows that we've rescheduled over and over again for this year are in the states that are handling this abysmally, <laughs> like Florida and Texas. So it's it's nice to have a show on the calendar or two shows in the calendar that you're like, well, that's not getting canceled. It's gonna be dope too because you know it's you're getting a chance to play out again. Yep, and not just that, but we're gonna be you know the, the shows are gonna be cool. Like, dude, I, obviously it's funny because like how we are with Lollipop. A lot of people know Alien Ant Farm because of Smooth Criminal. They're on these shows. I'm a huge fan of their track movies. Right. Actually, that album they put out it was so far ahead of its time. I'm so stoked as a fan to like be sharing the stage with that band. That, that's going to be fun. Um, you know, Saliva's on it. I think Buck Cherry now uh, is replacing Fuel, who originally right. was was on the show. Um, yeah, man. It, like you said, it's it's just it's going to be therapeutic to be back on stage. And and I just explained to you like I love creating more than I do performing but you can bet your ass i'm gonna i'm gonna get rid of a lot of pent-up energy you have when i'm on stage worth of quarantine energy <laughs> exactly. to get out on stage exactly <laughs> by that time it'll be six months we haven't played yeah, that's true the album release show was yeah. uh february 21st i think in nashville so it'll be almost damn near six months since we had played a show i mean dude we just uh we hadn't even rehearsed full band like live turn the amps all the way up until last week and i, I was terrified i was like man we're gonna be, it's gonna be terrible and we, dude the rehearsals you're gonna be we're rolling and puffing like we're, crazy oh, i know i am yeah i know i am for sure in between songs like give me a second yeah absolutely <sighs> absolutely <laughs> shit i do that when we're not seven months off outside of future shows in alaska how do people keep in touch with frame and handling all the social media stuff or yeah you guys um, did a couple of internet live shows and stuff like we, that we did uh, a live stream which was cool because it was reimagining uh some of these songs and some of our older material right. and playing covers that normally we wouldn't get a chance to play i think we might do one more of those i don't know we've been kicking around the idea this is the 10 year anniversary of our second album a promise to burn it we never got to do something like that with uh with the moment our first album because right. th that was when we were broken up uh so we've kicked around the idea of maybe doing something with that second album some kind of like maybe a stream okay if not probably do another one of those live streams of like you know just reimagining a few songs plus playing a few new covers other than that yeah social media facebook um instagram like we we monitor that not someone else um, I, I read that i was like okay well you know if they actually are reading all those messages and not somebody that's an assistant somewhere in an office some you know sometimes some people from our label doug uh <laughs> doug get on there and read Go messages devils. and then but he's very good about like marking things unread and you know if it's something that's like, like a quick answer like hey what time do you guys think your show will start tonight or something like that he'll answer that but um yeah i mean we were i'm definitely uh the one that's that's answering the majority of that and um if you can't get an answer on any framing hanley social media just hit me up fh nixon f-h-n-i-x-o-n basically anywhere and uh you'll get a, probably a quicker answer for me on there uh, don't follow me on twitter though unless you like football and <laughs> wrestling <laughs> awesome dude thank you man appreciate it yeah man thank you the Liquid Conversations podcast is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing. Wear it till it stinks.